you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Los Psychos from Peru with El Ontario de los Gatos. Los Psychos from Peru, 1965. And I'm quoting some liar notes here. This is brand new out on Munster Records from Spain. Los Psychos, whoever thought there could be a combo out there in Peru that would make the sonic sound like Simon and Bloody Garfunkel. Written by Lindsay Hutton from Next Big Thing fanzine. From the liner notes to Los Psychos, the complete recordings. And we just heard, as I mentioned, Los Psychos. Coming up on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show from 1965. Let me say that, Los Psychos, 1965. On the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show here today, coming up, interviews with Killer Mike from Atlanta, Mr. Fab from the Bay Area, Oakland to be specific, and Rocky Erickson and Will Chef, Rocky from the 13th Four Elevators, and Will Chef from Ockerville River on an Ardwarda Human Serviette radio show. All interviews done at South by Southwest this year. Right now, before we get to the interview with Killer Mike, here is Fuck the Facts, a band from Ottawa, Ontario, with their song Loss Upon Loss. And then Killer Mike, and then Mr. Fab, and then Rocky Erickson, and Ockerville River.
are you? Um, I'm Killer Mike. <laughs> I'm Mike Bigger, Killer Mike. One of the other names they call me. Here at South by Southwest 2010, Mike. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. What's up? And I'm Nardward, a human serviette, Mike. And you were saying you have a song. Called Hard Nard. Hard Nard. What's that about? Um, you know, like the term dope, like that's the best, like that's dope. Like hard nard is like saying that's dope. Oh, that's hard nard. And also there's a production team too, isn't there? Nard and B? Yeah, Nard and B are production team over at Grand Hustle. You got Nard and B, you got um, Young Raz, um, who just did that freeze, Beat Billionaires. You got um, C. Gutter. It's, it's a good production team over there. Nard is quite a popular name then for Killer Mike. Yeah, no, I, I know a lot of Nards. And now you know Nard wore the human serviette. Absolutely hilarious. Now, Killer Mike, you're from Atlanta, aren't you? Yeah, I'm from the Adamsville section of Atlanta. What can you tell the people about Atlanta old school? I wanted to ask you, Killer Mike, right there about Atlanta old school, Shy D. Oh, shit. Man, you, this is your record? Oh man, I, my man, my man! This is man. I was, I was a child like when this came out. He um, he was off the east side. I think Shadi was coming out of Decatur, man. He was absolutely incredible. He had this light voice, you know. I am Shadi, and he just he crazy. He was like the first one to do it. This is crazy. You got this record, man. Wow, you the fucking man. That's old school Atlanta. People don't always appreciate the old school Atlanta, do they? Shy D, he actually is Africa Bombada's cousin, too. I never knew that. I never knew that. That's crazy. I got to, damn, how did you know that? I just checked it out and it was there. I never knew that either. Isn't that wild? Af Have you met Africa Bombada? Yeah, Africa Bombada, um, I met him and he, I used his image in my first video in action. He gave me permission to use his image. It was totally dope. Ever think that Shy D was now related to Africa Bam, old school Atlanta? Now I think that's dope, man. I tell people now, like the new Atlanta sound, the swag sound that people are so crazy about, is actually like Kilo's sound, another old school Atlanta artist. That whole sound is based on him. Speaking of old and stuff, your grandma marched with Martin Luther King. That's incredible, Killer Mike. Yeah, she wasn't like, you know, a high up in the SDLC or anything, but she was just, she came from Tuskegee, Alabama, and she was motivated to do something, you know, and um, her and my grandpa instilled those core values in us. Like, I went to vote at every election since I was five years old, probably. That's right, starting at the bottom of her skirt, and now when I walk in with her, I'm towering over her. But, you know, it's just, that's something that she felt, you know, um, strong enough about to risk her life and I, and I admire for the rest of my life for it. When did she start doing that? Right off the bat? What did you learn about that? Um, about when my grandparents this just said, I don't even think it's something I learned right off the bat. It's just an experience that we did. Like, we, we voted. My grandpa was a member of the union. We were very active in things like that. You know, my grandmother was very active in charitable stuff and taking care of the sick, the shut out, the needy. You know, Hosea's Feet the Hungry, which is huge now uh, because a lot of rappers and famous people support it. We've been supporting it like since we were kids. We did things early on like collecting cans, getting the money, helping old people, you know what I mean? So my grandparents really raised me to be um, an advocate of sorts on the behalf of people who were less fortunate than we were. And we were just, you know, working class people just getting by. Killer Mike, Atlanta, Georgia, Mommy's Kitchen. Have you heard of it? Nah, I haven't heard of it. I, you know, I guess I have. I just never eaten there. I've never eaten there. How about Ann's Snack Shop? Fucking right. I eat there. Miss Ann, she's the meanest, nicest, craziest, coolest old lady on earth. She makes the world's best hamburger. It's called the Ghetto Burger? It's called the Ghetto Burger. I don't eat the pork, so I can't eat the bacon on it, but it's absolutely dope. 
Killer Mike, you're out there always looking for new music. You find new music in barber shops? I find new music in barber shops and strip clubs. Like the last dope thing I found in a strip club was the Brazilian girls. Pussy, 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 marijuana. Pussy, pussy, pussy. That's my shit. How important are strip clubs to rap in Atlanta? How important? I don't know how important they are to rap, but to men in Atlanta, they're the second holiest thing next to the church probably <laughs> I thought they test out songs at them yeah we test out songs but the strip clubs is just like I'd go if they didn't have music where's the best booty claps you can get in Atlanta Killer Mike Blue Flying I have a list of some other clubs here what can you tell me about strokers overrated magic <laughs> nah I'm joking they need to get easier on the door though stop tripping magic city history that's the that's the OG forever the top more strip clubs here with killer Mike pleasers no comment till they learn how to let people in like they supposed to the blue flame lodge killer Mike from Atlanta strip club the best ever 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 for chocolate thick robust stallions killer Mike Jazzy T's Oh uh, man, that's I got me and Gucci man met in Jazzy T's. That's why I got a um, DJ Funky was the first person to play me or Gucci, like Jazzy T's. And this is before a record deal. This is when like we was just in the streets like slanging dope and rock. What <laughs> is important for rap then? Yeah, I mean in terms of DJ Funky it was important for me, but still I would go even if I didn't have a record to play. And you were Killer Mike from Atlanta, but Miami is important too, isn't it? Club Rolex. Uh, you gotta love Miami. Miami, we were like their little brother forever. So, you know, they, they raise us. Killer Mike, you have the song, quote, Can You Buy That? Motherfucker, can you buy that? And on that song, you sample the Mac. What can you tell people about the Mac? You sample the Mac. You know all this. Hey, um, I was just watching the Mac the other day, Willie Hutch. A friend of mine that didn't know who Willie Hutch was. And I played I Choose You for him. Yeah, he dope. Willie Hutch is me and um me and Juice. Me and me and Juicy J from Trip 36 Mafia. I went and recorded them. And he had, had some conversations with Willie Man and was just he they got samples out of this record that they haven't even let the world hear yet that are amazing, man. So shit, you should be watching this. You also sample white guys too. Sinatra, that's life. I love Sinatra. I love I absolutely love like besides rapping over like the track that I did on the mixtape, like I love him because his he, he was the coolest motherfucker ever, on and off the mic. You know what I mean? I really do love Frank Sinatra, and I really do listen to him when I'm when I'm not sampling and making music. Well, Sammy Davis Jr., he was part of the rock pack. Sammy Davis! And he was a photographer, which is a hobby of mine. And right now, I'm going to take your picture. Totally fucking dope. <laughs> All right, Killer Mike in action. Winding up here, Killer Mike from Atlanta, Janelle Monet. What do you think about Janelle Monet? I think she's one of the greatest artists I've ever heard in my life. It's the way she dresses, the way she talks, the way she raps, the way she rocks. It's incredible, isn't it? Her, her voice is out of heaven, too. Stuff with her at all? Do people give her enough respect? Because last year at South by Southwest, Janelle Monet was everything, and now a year later, it commercially hasn't really happened for her, has it? You've had a lot of experience with commercial rap. How hard is it? Well, I mean, I've had a lot of experience, and um, I'm, I'm I, in terms of me, you know, I, I make money on both sides, indie and commercial. So, you know, I don't really know the secret and the formula. I just know what I like, and I love her.
Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Mr. Killer Mike? Hit me at Mike underscore Bigger. My new name is Mike Bigger. I let him call me Killer Mike because I really like his hat. Grind time rap game, bang, bang, bang. Hit me up. It's the grind. Cheer. Well, thanks so much, Killer Mike. Keep on rocking in the free world and do, do, the loot, do. Oh. do. <laughs> Almost, Killer Mike. Do, do, the loot, do. Do? Almost. Do, do, the loot, do. Do, do. Dominator, and suckers can't hang in a room with three fellas and not no gang. See the two Mike Fresh and my cousin LC is now in effect in a place to be. When we can't divide the house, all your bumps have had it. Don't rule on us if you got static. Cause me, myself, I'm going for broke. Don't play me for a sucker, I ain't no joke. And I'm kicking it hard in Atlanta, GA. That's where I live, that's where I chill. Yeah. That's where I stay. You know what I'm saying? Check it out. I live in Atlanta, but the county's Decatur. I'm coming north now, but I'm out of here later and be on my way to make some dough. Yeah, I know Daryl and I also know Joe, but the subject now is MC D and the people all over want to know where I be. Not in New York in the cold drinking Fanta, but cooling down It's hot in Atlanta and cooling with the ladies every day and night. Or being at home watching Mike Tyson fight. Or running with my crew all over the town. Or chilling in the club watching people get down. And I only do this in Atlanta, GA. That's where I live, that's where I chill. Yeah, that's where yeah, I stay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Check it out. I know this song is tough, I took my time to write it And now it's through, so all your suckers can't bite it And try to recite it, but you know it won't work So poor, sit back, pay attention, you jerk Cause I'm bragging on my city, cause it is dope In other cities and states, they cannot cope Where you stay? Where you stay? Where you stay? 
stay? Atlanta, in, in, Atlanta. Where you stay? Where you stay? Where you stay? In, in, Atlanta. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and an Ardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, MC Shidey with Atlanta. That's where I stay. And before that, an interview with Atlanta's Killer Mike. Coming up, an interview with Rocky Erickson and Will Chef, Rocky Erickson from the 13th Floor Elevators, and Will Chef from Ockerville River. But before we get to that interview, an interview with, from Oakland, California, Mr. Fab. Here is Willie Hutch from 1973 with Mac-Man, and in an interview with Mr. Fab. <laughs>
I'm Mr. Fab, local rapper out of Oakland, California. Mr. Fab, welcome to South by Southwest. Thank you, man. I appreciate the embracing. Um, it's been a wonderful experience for me thus far, man. I got a chance to network with a lot of artists from all different genres of music and all different walks of life, man. The people and the fans, and um, it's uh, it's uh, it's amazing. But Mr. Fab, let's go back to Oakland. What can you tell the importance? the people of this record right here, The Mac. The Mac, Willie Hutch, uh, was a guy who made the soundtrack for a lifestyle that depicted what Oakland was going on in the 60s and the 70s. Um, this guy actually did one of the theme songs to uh, the biggest, if not the biggest, one of the most influential uh, depictions in film of a, a lifestyle that was going on in society and the demographics of Oakland. Um, in the 60s and the 70s, there was a lot of you know, you had the Black Panthers, and then to combat the Black Panthers, you had a lot of pimps and prostitutes. And the Mac was about this guy named Goldie, who was one of the biggest pimps at the time, which actually it was about Frank Ward. That's the guy that Goldie portrayed in the movie. And um, it just, it, it depicted the lifestyle, man. And this is the lifestyle that, you know, uh, many people from Oakland, they grew to know and they grew to uh, accept it. It's one of the greatest movies ever out of Oakland. I would say so myself. I mean, because when you go past the fact of just the pimp and hoeing type thing, it really gets you into, uh, it shows you the history of the level of thinking of why people from the city that we come from till this day currently have some of similar thoughts embedded in their mind frame um, and, and the lifestyle of how to uh, manipulations of situations to get you out of anywhere, man. And um, this movie definitely was a, was a, was a big part of that, man. I mean, I've watched the movie over a hundred times. I can't lie. Mr. Fab, what about the specific locations in the movie? Have you visited any of those? Oh, yeah. You growing up in, a, you know, you growing up in Oakland, you, you definitely visit those things, man. Especially if you, uh, if you try to duplicate and replicate some of the things that these guys was doing, um, you definitely drive around the San Pablos. Um, some of the some of the some of the things that they were that was in the movie are no longer you know no longer there and no longer existing. But the area is very much socialistic. And um, you know I'm an Oakland native in all parts of Oakland, and so you know you you, you travel those spots every day. What's interesting about Oakland, too, is there's some new restaurants there. Roscoe's has moved there. What can you tell people about Roscoe's moving to Oakland? They made a, um, it's actually not Roscoe's. It's called Chicken and Waffles, though. Um, a, a friend of mine owns it, um, uh, and it's it's a, it's an all-night diner. Like, they close about probably like 4 o'clock. And after the clubs and things like that, a lot of people go there. And, you know, it's normally a packed house. And if you don't know anyone, you probably won't have a, a seat to sit at. And um, It's amazing though it's in Oakland because when you went to L.A., that's where you go. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. It's the place. And to have one in Oakland. That's the nastiest, best spot to me. Roscoe, like I love Roscoe's and Chicken and Waffles. And it's not that the food is just that great. It's just the spot like you're 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 going for the area and for the name 
And um, I always get my Oscar, man, my Oscar E, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it is. But it's very much similar. They sell, you know, they sell, like I said, they sell the same food, chicken and waffles. Um, the taste is almost similar. Um, Are you an expert on food, Mr. Fab? I'm kind of fat, so I got a nice, got a, I'm like a tastemaker, man, you know, when it comes to food, man. So I could give you a real good, 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 you know, you, you take my advice when it comes to food, man. I really get down. I throw down at the kitchen, man. So if it's some, if it's something good, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you where to go. How about in Oakland? Have you heard of the pizza place called Zachary's Deep Dish? Best pizza on earth. I, I honestly think that Zachary's in Oakland can't compete with pizza from Italy, with pizza from Chicago, with New York pizza. Zach's is the best. I used to cut school to go to Zachary's. Zachary's was like 10 minutes away from my high school. It was the best pizza in the world. Zach's is the best. So you cut school when you were backpacking. You came up in the backpack world. Definitely, definitely. Um, I definitely come up in, the, you know, the freestyle ciphers and, you know, battle rapping cats and having a backpack full of 10, 15 notebooks with beat CDs and, at that time, beat tapes. And, um, you know, that, that gives a little history of me, man. I'm, I'm definitely a student of, of hip-hop, and I, I, I love it very much so. And your lyrics are interesting, too. Fuck a chorus. <laughs> Where you mention Winnipeg, Canada. Um, Can you spit some of that for us, the part about Winnipeg? I do not remember that. That was on one of my freestyle tapes. Um, it was basically, I do, and like bi-monthly, I do a, a freestyle series. Sometimes it's called The Realest Shit I Never Wrote. Um, or just the, the trials of Freestyle King, no pens, no pads. And what I do is I go in the studio, and maybe in like a day or two, I just knock out like 16 to 17 real freestyles. Even if I mess up, I still leave it on there, like, you know, just to let you know that it's real, um, unedited freestyles. Something that's missing in the game today because a lot of people pre, pre, freestyle things and, you know, they, they'll freestyle, mess up, then come back and clean it back up. I'm really just coming off the head, man, and I do those things, man, so I have, I'll never be able to remember those. But, Mr. Fab, what about the mention of Winnipeg, Canada? I thought that was cool. Winnipeg, Canada, hockey, you got to bring that back. You got to, you got to give it up, man, you know, the world, the world, what's up, baby? The world, the world is bigger than Oakland, man, you know, and, uh. And you mentioned Winnipeg, which is awesome. It's the biggest, one of the biggest cities for uh, hockey, man. I love hockey, man, you know, we love skating on ice, man. Go San Jose Sharks, you already know. Mr. Fab, Twitter, you got the Twitter song. Twitter song is a nice song for me, man. It definitely brought back um, a relevance, like my relevance, and uh, where Cats is like, yo, what is he doing now? And he's working on it. And I, I did the song because it's a popular thing right now. I mean, if you look up everywhere you look, man, there's a Twitter, uh, CNN, Larry King on Twitter, Sports Center, um, Stuart Scott on Twitter, Jim Rohn, Oprah on Twitter. So, you know what I mean? The, the song, to, to be able to do the Hit Me On Twitter song, definitely, uh, it, it broke open to the, the networking world. It, it's amazing. Like, I've, I've I've networked with countless people, artists, um, mainstream media outlets, uh, many different things, man. It, it's amazing. It's worked wonders. Has Twitter reached out to you at all? No, but I've reached out to Twitter. Because I was wondering, rapper Matas Yahoo. Do you know rapper Matas Yahoo? No, I haven't, I haven't met him yet. He's a Jewish Hasidic rapper, and he got to play Twitter headquarters. Wow, that's crazy. Like, I would love to have that opportunity to do so, man. Um, Twitter, like, is right in our backyard in San Francisco, um, in the San Francisco area. It's a, uh, like I say, 
the song it, the song is, is kid friendly. Like you can play it. They need to invite you down, don't they? It would be a beautiful thing. I've got invited to YouTube before. Um, I've got invited to Google. Um, and you do a song about Twitter and don't get invited there yet. That sucks. But I'm pretty sure that I'll be able to get in there, man, one of these days and uh, hopefully them sponsor a tour or something, a college tour, and, you know, go from there, man. I, I'm pretty sure I, I'm stoked about it. It would be exciting. Mr. Fab, what can you tell me about this gentleman right here who is very important to Oakland, Bay Area, San Francisco, and your career, Mac Dre? This guy right here, man, is uh, a lot of people owe a lot to this person, you know what I'm saying, myself included. Um, Mac Dre opened up a lot of things, man. Um, he actually gave me an opportunity to, to drop my second album, which is called The Son of a Pimp. He gave me an outlet. And um, this guy is missed, man. I, I think about this guy often. And uh, and he's invented words, hasn't he? Like thizzle, he invented thizzle. A lot of words, didn't he? This guy, is, uh, his creation is... This guy right here, man, is... Now you, Mr. Fab, you've invented a few words yourself. You invented the word Aconher. Aconher. <laughs> what is Aconning her? Throw her off the stage, man. Throw her off the stage, man. Um... I've, I've come up with a couple words myself, and it's uh, a boobala boopy. You know, I've come up with a few words, and uh, what does that mean? I don't know. I never, I never knew what it meant. I just was in the studio one day and was like, "Let me do this song." And I let's say, cats nowadays would just go with anything, so you could say anything, man. It just, it was really um, laughing that what music is nowadays like you can do whatever you know what i mean and somebody and if you got a fan base and you got a nice credible name people are gonna do it so you know, it proved my point well so akon her and uh shabubala booby any other ones there's a few other ones um i can't think of them off the head right now but you know we're from the bay area man and that's like the land of that's the land of slang like there's always a lot of lingo going on a lot of um thank you too short and e40 man thank you and, and mac dre and Many of the guys that hang around those guys that may not get credit for some of the things that those rappers say. You know, our rappers are basically, uh, we're reporters to the neighborhoods and the inner cities of what go on. And most of the time, it's our company and the council that we keep that uh, that keeps us fresh, man, with some of the new words and some of the new styles and things like that. What up, what up, what up? Who's over there? Who are you talking to over there, Mr. Fat? One of the homies, man. He's from the Bay Area. He out here now. He's from the Bay Area. So, How long have you known Mr. Fat? Yeah, I don't even know, bro. You know my folks personally. Bullies with Phillies, you know what I'm saying? This is my bro, man. I'm from Richmond, California, and I heard he was in town. I made it a special way to come down here and see bro, and I found Club Crucial. Never been down here before, but I came down here for Fab, man. Yellow bus. It's a long way to find Fab. Hey, for real, though, man. That's, that's bro, man. He a real dude, man. And he really, man, I love his talent, man. He keep it going. Him and Mac Dre, man, R.I.P. to the Cuddy, Johnny Cash, all that, man, real Richmond, and Oakland, man, and Austin, Texas at South by Southwest, man. We love it, man. Mr. Fab forever, man. Mr. Fab, why do you like gigs? Why do you like gigs, Mr. Fab, and Petaluma? It's amazing, like the excitement and the energy that they bring to the table. Um, a lot of the fans out there, they're some of the best fans in that area. Whole 707, like from Petaluma to uh, uh, Sebastopol to uh, Santa Rosa. Um, those, those fans right there, they go to shows and they give up 200%. I thought it was the girls. That too. And uh, the legal ones. Um, and it's it's excitement, man. The fans are they give so much energy. It's uh, and it's a lot of love out there, man. And when you perform in front of crowds like that, that 
um, reciprocate the energy that you give them, it just keeps everything in there just so beautiful, man. And it shows you how relevant hip-hop music is. Mr. Fab, you interviewed Ron Artest. Close friend of mine, man. Good friend of mine. Ron Artest is a, a very misunderstood guy who's actually um, far more intelligent than the media gives him credit for being. Because um, they try to make it seem like he's just uh, just a wild man, wild man, but whatever. But he's very intelligent. Um, he's a, he has a heart big as Texas. Um, and he's a rapper. He's a, he's a, he's a, he does it for a hobby. You know, he likes rapping. He's a, it's a hobby for him. But actually, he's a he's basically he's better than Shaq rapping. I love Shaq when I was young. I'm not gonna lie. I bought every Shaq album. I'm outstanding. Biological father. I love Shaq's. Like, like Ron. What Ron is? Ron has done something that he always wanted to do, and he's doing something that he always wanted to do, and he's helping his young homeboys that he grew up with, and he's, you know, he's, uh, he's funding their project, man. So shout out to the whole True Warrior staff. And Ron's just having fun, man. He's a big kid, and um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a hell of a guy. I'm a diehard Warriors fan, but since he's with the Lakers now, I want to see the Lakers win another champion to get him a ring. Mr. Fab, winding up here, the Raiders, the Raiders. What can you tell people about the Raiders? The poor Raiders. Help the Raiders, Mr. Fab. I'm never one to wish any harmful things on anyone, and I love life so much, but I don't think that the Raiders organization will be nothing until Al Davis die. <laughs> Mr. Fab, set it here first at South by Southwest, 2010. And we out of here like, yay! <laughs> Lastly here, Mr. Fab, your chain. Can you show the people your chain right here and tell them, did it really go missing? Chain didn't go missing. The guy who had my chain is actually around here somewhere. He just walked away. He's actually my manager. And we just was doing a little joking thing, man, to show people how. What it was was the week before um, Oscar Grant was assassinated by um, city officials, Oakland Police Department. And we did a prep rally and a press conference that we put out on the internet for people to look at to raise the, the, the awareness of what was going on in the community about, you know, police killing some of the, you know, the people of the community. And it only had about, it had about like 20,000 views, 30,000 views. So I was like, I bet you if we make up some stupid stuff about some chain snatching or something like that, watch how many views it get. And I mean, and I was right, man. Like the day we put it up, next day it had like 100,000 views. And it just goes to show you, man, that people today, we focus too much on negativity. And, and when it's things in our community that we need to uplift and uphold with some type of responsible value um, to the things of our community, as artists should do, talk about what's going on in their community, um, no one pays attention to that stuff. And the fans out there, no one cares about um, how Detroit just closed over 75% of their schools. And, and now these kids have no place of you know education. No one cares about things like that. So when you talk about things like that, those things get fast forwarded and ignored. But as soon as you say, oh, this person got killed, or this person got into a fight, or this person's chains got took, everybody's interested in that. And that's just unfortunate, man. And we need to bring back the things that people need to hear instead of the things that they want to hear. And that's the difference with, uh, with me and a lot of other artists. I'm going to give you both sides of the coin. I'm going to show you the things that you're interested in just to laugh at you because when I tell you some of the things that you need to be interested in, you write me off. Well, Mr. Fab, Soldier Boy had a chain, a remote control chain. I like Soldier Boy. Soldier. But I was thinking if your chain went missing, you could like remote control it back. <laughs> I like I like Soldier Boy. Um, Soldier Boy is dope, man. Um, a lot of people. You see his remote control chain. The the, the Lamborghini. 
and uh, he's nice, man. He, he does he does a lot, and I'm happy that he's is he's working with Little B from the pack right now. So I just take my hat off to him, man. Anybody that's doing something and providing for their family and giving opportunity and jobs to people in their community, you have to take your hat off to them. Regardless if you like them personally, if you like their music personally, you have to credit them for what they're doing for their community and for their families, because that's all it's about at the end of the day. Lastly here, Mr. Fab, thanks for speaking to me, Nardward Human Serviette. Can you leave us with a little freestyle here? Maybe mentioning South by Southwest, Chain, Soldier Boy. What's popping in your mind right now? All right. Um, I spit a little something. Keep it cool and not moist, but I got to save it a moment because I got to save my voice because in a second, I'm going to be on stage at 12, so that means I'm going to be on stage shooting these shells, and that means I'm going to be on stage doing for self, and I don't need a hype man. I just do it myself. I get on stage and I rock out with my cock out. Sometimes can't get shots out because most of the time, that's when the cops out, and most of my people still involved with the ignorance. South by Southwest, I do it till belligerent. Tell me if you feeling it. Break them in predicaments. I break them out, they ligaments. Put them in bad predicaments. Now back to the story. Now back to the verdict. I know you heard it, how I spit it because the way that I word it. Break down, cats asserted me. You probably never heard of me. No problem, no worries. This is just emergency. I rap with the urgency. Me and my man, just me and my friend, rapping like it's me and my band. You catch my homies when we spitting. Get get sick, man. Shout out to the homeboys that came here from Richmond. Back and I'm pitching, and then the how you get you. And it's not the Matrix, homie. So now nah, I'm not glitching, and I don't got no STD, so I'm not itching. And I'm tired of moms bitching, but high food and no kids up in the kitchen. So now I'm on a mission. Keep on spitting to get it back spitting and the freestyle was never written is you peeping my man dressing like he from britain so it's good i dress british and talk yiddish because i'm hood it's all good i know that you would you would if you could so it's all good we out of here uh thanks so much mr fab keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do 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 the loot do almost mr fab do do the loot do 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 the loot do uh, almost do do the loot do 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 the loot do almost mr fab okay do do the loot do 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 the loot do okay no you just have to finish it do do the loot do 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 the loot do you know that's my that's my part I, that's my part you have to answer me do do the loot do do do
canteen games. I know you like how I know that this Mr. Fab. Hit my number, baby girl, bet you won't be mad. Better yet, guaranteed, you know, disappointed. Come and join in. I be going, going, going in. We can kick it like one of the homies. Cause I'm trying to have shorty all on me. We be close like my niggas. Baby girl, hit me on Twitter. Still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarde Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Mr. Fab with See on Twitter. And before that, an interview with Mr. Fab. Coming up, an interview with Rocky Erickson from the 13th Floor Elevators and Will Chef from Ockerville River, who have collaborated, more on the pronunciation of that name later, who have collaborated on a brand new LP coming out soon. Right now, here's a track from that LP, Be and Bring Me Home, and in an interview with Rocky Erickson and Will Chef from Ockerville River on the Nardwar de Human Serviette radio show, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. If the way is clear, my friend, quick. If the way is clear, my friend, don't kick. Suddenly my fireplace is friendly. Bring me home. 
suddenly I make control Take little things meaning big so I'm not alone Suddenly I'm not sick Won't you be and bring me home Family only 
is Roger Rocky Rocky Erickson. Rocky Erickson, who do you have beside you? Uh, well, this is, they're a member of a band, you know, and they have a real hard name pronounced. It's kind of like O-C-H-R, Okra, Ocherville River, something like that. We have Will from, from Okra? Yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rhymes with Sock. Run with Sock. Oh, Ockerville River. Yeah, that's the one. Ockerville River. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And here you guys are in Austin, Texas. That's right, yes. That's right, yes. Rocky, the other night, Ray Davies opened for you. Ray Davies of the Kinks. Uh-huh, yeah. That's right, yeah. I sure like his standard guitar playing, you know. Mm-hmm. How did that gig go? It was great. It was great hearing him. Did you hear some of that, Rocky? Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah. What are your favorite kink songs, man? Well, I just like that all day and all the, you really got me and all that yeah. stuff. I like them all. Those, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Elevators did a great version of that, a great jammy version in San Francisco, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, right. I have a gift for you guys. Oh, great. Excellent. Excellent. Right off the bat, here we have a gift for you. Right here, it is a Destroyer pin, the band Destroyer from Vancouver. I love Destroyer. Dan is an incredible songwriter. I'm very honored to have this pin. And for Rocky, we have a pin for you from your favorite movie. Uh-oh, yeah, I want to put it in my hat. Oh, boy, that looks like Curse of the D-E-M-O, of the Demo or something. The demon. Curse of the Demon. Demon, right, yeah. Curse of the Demon, right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rubber guy. Uh-huh, yeah. What can you tell Will about Curse? of the demon well it, it's it was just a uh, kind of a show that they were kind of thinking they were uh, making sure to help it come along and everything you know to make sure that it would have to be something that needed uh, like you know uh, assistance or something like that you know and that to make sure it's good and everything mm-hmm. that you always should have people with you at the time or something like yeah. that you know what I mean Curse of the Demon. Now, what can you tell Rocky about Destroyer, Dan from Destroyer? Well, first, just to finish the Curse of the Demon thing, I think that was one of the ones where, you know, Jacques Turner was really undercut by, you know, he needed assistance from people who would give him the opportunity to make the movie the way he wanted. Because that rubber dummy at the end is a little silly. But Destroyer, Rocky, is a band from Vancouver. Yeah. A guy named Dan Behar. Okay, and yeah. A songwriter kind of guy. It's sort of like, uh, I can't, can't really describe it, but he's a really Really, really cool guy. Oh, I see. It's yeah. a good name too, right? Yeah. Destroyer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. 
Rocky Erickson, my friend John Battles took you to Margie's Ice Cream in Chicago. All right. What's that like, Margie's Ice Cream, John Battles in Chicago? Yeah, that's, that place is like being in some kind of a, a, a crate factory, just boxes everywhere, you know, and so I, I guess they manage, you know, they're able to do it, you know, figure out how to get your, you know, your specialty there, you know. <laughs> and the Beatles ate there. The Beatles ate at Margie's. Oh, they did, huh? Well, that's great, yeah. And you enjoyed it too, Margie's in Chicago, John Battles. Right, right, uh-huh. Rocky, Tommy of the 13th Floor Elevators, he used to eat cockroaches. Oh, is that right? Oh, no, we'll have to read about that, won't we? Uh, I read about that. Yeah, okay. True. Well, I don't know, you know. And I was wondering, what does Will eat, Rocky? Uh, he, he really likes to drink a lot of milk and cream and, you know, with a straw and everything, you know, if you let him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, if you let me, I'll drink all the milk and cream that you have. I just need the right straw. If it's a long enough straw, you know, that's, I'll drink it all. And here we are in a kind of uncommon day in Austin, aren't we? It's quite cold, isn't it? It's really cold. It's never this cold. And there's a special drink that we should have, isn't there? An avocado? Well, you were asking me if there was an Austin, a distinctive Austin drink, and I said, well, maybe an avocado margarita, which is quite good. It's better than you'd think it would be. Have you ever had one, Rocky? No, I've heard about them, you know, and I, I kind of arc, well, I kind of, you know, changed my mind about avocados because I want to know what they are or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. A friend of mine called avocados Satan's mayonnaise. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rocky, your influences are varied, and I was thinking hard. I bet you this is probably one of your number one influences right here. Jonathan Winters. Is that true? Yes, he is. I tell you, yeah. What can you tell the people about Jonathan Winters and Rocky Erickson growing up? Well, uh, Jonathan Winters is kind of like, you know, uh, what you call, uh, you have to put your, on the, it's like a relaxation thing, you know, same kind of thing, you need guidance for it, so you have to be really into uh, maybe some really, oh, what do you call them, fantasy cushions, you know, there are these big old things that only specialists can sit on or something like that, you know. He doesn't get a lot of props, does he, Jonathan Winters? No, I, he probably doesn't, but that's what I heard, yeah, so you, that's really kind of good, yeah. You know, Rocky and Will, you guys have a song called Bring Back the Past. Bring Back the Past. And here we have Will opening up Ugly Things magazine, and there is a great picture of Rocky. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you. It's some go-go girls. Or something, you know, I don't know, man. They must be uh, something, you know what I mean? Maybe they're somebody's uh, uh, friend or something, right? Or something like that. I thought it's... What I thought is fascinating, Rocky, is here's an ad for the Jade Room that the Spades played. Right, yeah. Uh, the Jade Room is now a parking lot. I heard about that. Well, that makes more sense than, than being whatever it is, you know, the... You know, Why does that make more sense? I don't know. It would just, you know, it, they, they said that if they had turned it into some kind of place where they, you know, it was something like a place where you could sit down and uh, and whatever, relax or something, yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. some kind of tent over it or something like that. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. but I'd rather be, you know, you know, you know what I mean, more casual or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of sad. It's a parking lot now. Do you see a lot of Austin disappearing, Will? Well, it's really funny that you bring that up because for this record, we went around a lot of these old places. We went to the parking lot the Jade Room is in, and we went to another place they used to play called the New Orleans Club. You remember that, Rocky? Yes, I do. I sure do. Yeah. And they turned that into a place you can sit down, sort of like a Mexican restaurant. They uprooted it and dragged it across the street with a trailer in 1971 or something like that. Anyway, yeah, you know, Austin's changed a lot. Rocky's seen Austin change a lot, but there's still a lot of that spirit around, and I think Rocky represents a lot of that spirit of old Austin. Now, what do you think about Will? His parents are grand 
grandfather was in a swing band. Is that right? Well, I didn't know about that, you know. I didn't know about that. But you see music in Will. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Tell me about the music in you, Will. The swing band, your grandfather, a trumpet player? Yeah, did you ever hear about Les Brown and his band of renown? Well, I had in a way, you know, yeah. I was wondering who that was. He played with a bunch of people. He played, uh, he put himself through through college. Uh, He was like the first person in the family to go through college. And he was uh, playing like, he played all kinds of stuff. They'd be be sort of a pickup band. That was in New Hampshire. So he, one time he was billed as so-and-so and and her New Yorkers. They had no idea where New York was. Then there was another one that was like Bessie Worm and her Nightcrawlers. And then he got asked to join this band, Les Brown and his band of renown. Yeah, he's an amazing he's an amazing guy. Rocky, what can you tell us about Kenny Rogers? Did you ever see Kenny Rogers in the 60s? Because I know he saw Leland Rogers. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, well, I, I have never met Kenny, you know. But I saw where he was billed to play the Paramount Theater one time. And I thought, well, that's kind of probably needs guidance to do that. He was doing some kind of hard show, you know, like reading out of the dictionary or something. I don't know. I guess that's what he does, you know. would probably pay to hear Kenny Rogers read out of the dictionary. Did you ever go to Kenny Rogers Broasters, that restaurant? No, I did not. Is it here in Austin or something? They had them. I think it went out of business. Do you remember Kenny Rogers Broaster? I remember its existence. I don't know if there was ever one here in Austin, though. You guys have the song called John Lawman. Uh-huh, that's right, yeah. And what I was wondering, Rocky, it seems fascinating that your old managers in the 13th floor elevators would hire off-duty cops to protect you from the on-duty cops. Oh, now that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, that's something to think about, isn't it? You have to read up on it, right? You told Will about that. Yeah, well, I've, I've told him about it. He says he likes it. He encourages it. He hope I'm happy enough to, you know, <laughs> to do it. You know what I mean? Have there been the cops at any of the gigs? I would discourage that. Uh, no, there haven't. You know, man, the cops used to, on a serious note, the cops used to give Rocky a really hard time back in the 60s, like a really, really hard time. And it's actually one of the more heartwarming parts of the story that he's been, you know, so honored by the by Austin and so kind of helped by the, law, by the legal system later on in his life. Because, man, they really sucked back in the 60s. They had it out for him. And they finally saw the error of their ways. So. I thought that was amazing, hiring off-duty cops to protect you from the on-duty cop. Right, uh-huh. That's right, yeah. Rocky, what was it like going to Graceland? I think you went to Graceland. Did you feel Elvis's ghost at all? Uh, no, I hadn't heard about that. You know, I imagine that's just something that really people heard about and they don't think it's true, but they, you know, they, they, probably it's just some kind of a legend or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sure if you've heard about it, you know it's all right, don't you? Have you felt any ghosts at Graceland? I've never been to Graceland. About it, but I imagine it might be a pretty scary place to go to if it's supposed to be some kind of place that that some kind of weird clique knows about. You know what I mean? Or something. Yeah, it's just, it's it's sad. I felt sad when I went oh, to Graceland. Yeah, okay, well. He's had a sad life, I, I feel like, you know. Well, I don't think he drank or anything, no, you know. He didn't but, drink, he didn't drink, no. I think he pooped a lot, though. Oh, come on. That's, that's where it ended. It's a family show, Nard. It ended on the toilet. There's great echo in the toilet, isn't there, Rocky? Like when you do recordings and stuff. Yeah, I always skip reading about that stuff, but I guess, you know. Or, but I listen to I relax, you know, all the time or thing, you know. Rocky Erickson, one band that I loved that you played with, and here's a bunch of posters from the 13th Floor Elevators. One band I loved you played with, and it's right here, The Conqueroo. I love that name, The Conqueroo. What can you tell people about The Conqueroo? Is that a neat band name? Yeah, it was a, it was a band that had very many, had the most uh, members in it than any other band. You know what I mean? 
And what? And, uh, it just rings. I just love it. Like, you know, 13th for Elevator sounds great, but Conqueroo, I love that name, Conqueroo. It's just. It comes from Bo Diddley, right? Oh, good, yes, it could at that. Yeah, I tell you, yeah. And this particular poster underneath right here, we were talking about Canada, Dan Behar being from Canada. Here's the 13th floor elevators playing in San Mateo. Yeah. And check who's on the bill the Canadian Fuzz. Oh, my goodness, yeah, that's great, or something like that, yeah. What are your Canadian connections, Rocky? When you think of Canada, what do you think about? I just think about, uh, you know, maybe uh, education, you know, and have to study about it a lot. It might be fun, but I'd have to, you know, get guidance about it, learn how to do it, you know. I'd have somebody give me a kind of a gift or something like that, you know. Yeah. You've been to Toronto, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And underneath here, we have another poster, Will. Check this one out. I find it quite interesting, Rocky. It's a poster for the 13th floor elevators, uh -huh. but there's a lot of the charlatans on there from San Francisco. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've heard about them, too. Yeah, but they're a hard name to pronounce, aren't they? Charlatan, not as hard as... Ockerville. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> the hardest one to say it. But when you're looking at art, Rocky, what do you think? That's not your photo, is it, on the record there, on I the poster? So I, I don't know how they did that, but that, that's really kind of eerie, but it's good, huh? That's the name of them, huh? They had a good little outfit on, though, man. That's a good straw boater hat, uh -huh, little yeah. wire rim glasses, a watch chain. Uh -huh. They were dandies of a kind. Now, Rocky, are you Rocky Erickson? Because sometimes you're Emil Schwartz. Yeah, that's right, Emil Schwartz, yeah. I've thought of that. I got that from the Rolling Stones when they call themselves Nonker Pledge or something like that, you know? Yeah. So has Emil Schwartz, has that reared its head ever again? Uh, what's that? Have you used that much, the Emil Schwartz? Yes, I put it on records, and I put it, you know, whenever uh, people like ASCAP or, uh, or Time Warner using my writings or something, you know, then they sign it, EMI, La La Land, Al Schwartz, you know what I mean? Have you ever had to do that, Will? Not really. Oh, well, you know, a couple times. I worked at a website where they would occasionally make me, they forced me to, like, write these ghost write these kind of, like, cream puffy reviews of, like, stuff that the label had paid for. It was this kind of corporate horror job, but I was starving. And I would use a pseudonym sometimes for that. Rocky, you love playing the organ nowadays, don't you? Yes, I do. I love that organ. Yes, I do. Yeah. You've had it for a long time, though. Like, you played on Hurricane Fighter Pilot. Well, I'd heard about that. That was some kind of weird band called the Red Red, no telling what, the Red Red Sea, you know, or something like that. You know, they had me do this, you know, airplane flying over the sea or something. You know, you they, like the Red Grail, Well, they're kind of weird. They're very uh, hard to get into, but they were nice to me. said, we're so sorry you have to sing this special simple song. <laughs> there it is, you know. Do you remember the keyboard you played then? Yes, I did. I played uh, keyboard on uh, uh, May the Circle. Remain unbroken, yeah. Uh -huh. The keyboard, was that a Vox? Uh, well, uh, yeah, something like that, yeah, you know. Will, you had a guy called Zach in your band. I did, yes. And Rocky, you played with the band at one time, or did gigs with the Zachary Thax. Well, I'm trying to think about that, yeah. In Texas. That's right, yeah, uh-huh. Zachary Thax, and I heard at one of those gigs that you went backstage and found a packet of Tang. Do you like Tang? Yes, I do. I sure do, yeah. Haven't had any in a long time. I like that cow cow stuff, too, or what do you call it, Bosco, or they told you never to say it. Yeah, it's weird stuff. You can't pronounce it. It's just chocolate. It's like you a know, chocolate ready-made mix, and you mix it up. You get it all going and everything, you know? <laughs> when you guys are practicing, what are you having? What does Will eat? Like, what do you drink when you're practicing? Oh, uh, 
uh, we drink a lot of milk and uh, and then we like malts. You know what I mean? Uh, we'll the ice cream. They're allowable. You know what I mean? You know. <laughs> if they'll allow us to have malts, you know, we'll 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 imbibe a little bit, but you know, usually usually just milk and cream. Rocky, how were you introduced to Will? Like, Will is a legend from Austin. How were you introduced to Will? Well, he uh, he introduced himself to me. They, how did he introduce himself? You know, phone calls, you know, and then uh, and then I'd answer and say, well, we're the uh, Oakerville, you know, and you've heard of the Black Crows, you know, so we were uh, we were going to ask if we'd help you out and play with you or something, you know. How about other legends, like the Butthole Surfers? Have you run into them at all? I, I, I've heard of them, you know. I think I used to have some kind of of a, some kind of a, a little flyer from them or something like that, you know? You love the flyers, don't you? Do you still love the junk mail and stuff like that? Yeah. I sure do, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Are you collecting flyers and stuff? Do you have all the 13th elevator stuff? How much did you know about the 13th floor elevator as well before you jumped in with Rocky? I uh, I knew them by reputation because if you, you can't be a band in Austin and not know about them. They cast sort of a wide shadow because it's sort of psychedelic music is a big long tradition in Texas, and the elevators were the start of that whole thing. So you can't really be a band in Austin and not know about the elevators. Is there a test to give Will it all to know that he's cool enough to play with Rocky Erickson at all, Rocky. Is there a, doing good, yeah. Is there a test? So far, he makes sure I get help. He's doing good. He comes comes along. You know what I mean? I'm coming along. So I, yeah, right. All right. How do we know when he's there? Yeah, oh, he's here all the time. Yeah. At 420, you'll be here. Yeah. 420, True Love Cast Out All Evil. Anti-records. That's when the record's out. And winding up here, Rocky, I was curious about all the different stuff you've done over the years here. What do you think about rap? music, rap music. Well, I haven't heard that much about it. I'd like to find out about it. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds like a novelty or something. Sounds good to get interested into, you know. You know what I mean? Because Will here, your music in Uckerville River has been mashed up with Lil Wayne. It has. I love Lil Wayne, and I really like that mashup a lot. Yeah. So how would you explain Lil Wayne and Uckerville River to Rocky? He's a guy who's he's real smart. He's real young. He was kind of like you, man. He was a really young guy. I was 15 when he started doing it. And he doesn't write anything down. It's just all off the top of his head. And he's constantly working. He's really prolific. He does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, does that sound good? Does that sound like a rapper that you'd like to get to know? Yeah, for sure. That sounds good. Yeah, right. Little Wayne and Rocky. He's also... In, set that up right now. He's also in jail right now. He's in, he's in prison right now. So he had, wrote a lot of... Uh, but you wrote a lot of your songs at Rusk, which was almost like a prison, didn't you? A lot of the rec a lot of the songs. Too, yeah, they were all songs that I got together, you know, and kept working on. What it was, it, you know, once I got the special thing going, they seemed to get really simple or something, over and over or something like that, you know. And there's tens more left? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to be writing some more, you know. A whole stack that were left off, but Will, you have to go through them carefully. Yeah, well, you know, they gave me 60 songs to go through, and I had to go through and pick my favorites. And a lot of the ones I really loved were the ones that were written at Rusk, because I think there was just such heart and emotion and spirit, you know. In them. How would you describe Rusk for people that don't know Rocky? Well, I don't know. I didn't really know too much about, uh, you know, what the, uh, you know, how to describe it. But uh, you know, I could. I don't know. I have a good place to write. Well, it, it's just something that'll be dealt with. You know, it's important. You know, like people have said and everything like that. You know what I mean? The songs are amazing, though, and it's so great. They got 60 songs uh, yeah. that you considered for this record, and we're really looking forward for the 420. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
Rocky, anything else you want to add or will about any of the posters or about Jonathan Winters or about the spades or the jades, the jade room? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, something like that. And where are we going to do our other one or something like that? Oh, we have another one coming up. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. No, I know. yeah, well, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. I like the way you guys discuss interviews and stuff like that. Have you ever sung interviews at all? Not really, you know. I sang it. Like, you know, instead of talking in an interview, you yeah, you could you do them on the phone, you know, or something like that, you know? Lastly, or Will, could you explain to Rocky about you singing an interview? Uh, I just did a thing where I, I thought it would be fun to sing my responses to an interview, and I wrote them all, all the songs in advance. Oh, I see, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. That's all I have to say. You yeah, about ready or something? We're ready. Maybe well, we'll do this again sometime or something. Well, thank you very much, Rocky and Will. Yeah. Keep on rocking in the free world. Well, sure. And do do the loot do. Uh-huh. Almost. That's that right. works. Yeah. 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 And do do loot do. Do do. All right. All right. Bless you.
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and an Ardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. That there was The Spades featuring Rocky Erickson with We Sell Soul. And before that, an interview with Rocky Erickson and Will Sheff from Ockerville River. Coming up right now, here's some Jonathan Winters on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. Jonathan Winters, one of Rocky Erickson's favorite artists. As a kid, I attended a lot of movies, and I, I still go to a lot of movies. I, I'm still a kid. Proved that too many months ago. <laughs> Said I was John Q from Outer Space. And... Left the mothership and they caught me, you know, that was a terrible thing. <laughs> but I had fun, it was interesting, you know, playing checkers all day and making rope sole shoes and everything. Oh, crazy, man. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, uh, Jonathan, how do you feel? And I said, man, I'm out, I'm out. That's what counts, you know, because when you're in there, hello, is it sunny today? Stay back in there, kid. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Oh, give you a hard time. I had about six guys coming in screening me, all these psychiatrists, little pads, you know. Why did you say that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm a Robin Redbreast. Oh, that's too bad. No, I changed my mind. Blue Jay. How's that? Oh, God, worse, you know. I had him going. I had one guy. He's taking extra courses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Told him toward the end when I left, put a dress on, the wig. I'm Mrs. Woodrow Wilson. Good luck to all of you. Oh, shook them bad. They were all... They didn't know the wig and or salute, you know. Oh, I'll sing. I'll sing. But I, I learned a lot. Learned a lot. Had to cool it. <laughs> oh, I had a little fatigue during the war. That didn't come out, see. Good thing. Oh, I had about, uh, about six months. You know, just walking around the yard with a little broom and everything. But that got me out. <laughs> um, a little different then. This thing got me in. So, you know. See, can't get around. you pay off sooner or later. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, I was talking about movies. <laughs> you know, that's the trouble with a schizophrenic. The thing split. And then when you get the thing together, you don't know where you are, Daddy. <laughs> uh, I was reading a book by some woman here the other day. I forget what it was. This, the Secret Life of a Schizophrenic Man. It threw me, man. I put the thing down. Because I didn't want to go back in the zoo, you know. And uh, But this kid got a book out. That ain't bad, you know, to sell your troubles and bug other people. But, um, you know, this gambling out here, I don't know how you're doing. I did pretty badly. But I failed mathematics in school. You stand out there at the table, you know, all right, I'm the combat number 16 coming out there. That's all, fella. <laughs> what do you mean, that's all? I had, that's all, buddy. Oh, I didn't see you, Tiny. Mm-hmm. That's kidding. Go into the bathroom, fella. See you around. <laughs> I'm away, buddy. But I, I stick with those machines, you know, because I know fruit when I see it, you know. All you have to, oh, yeah, keep pulling them, man. And little cherries on there. I know them. I picked them. <laughs> but, um... At any rate, I, uh, mentioned a little while ago about space, you know, and that's where I got in trouble. I said I was John Q from outer space. And, uh, I found out one thing. We must never land, you know, just one at a time. And I've seen a lot of saucer people, and, uh, but I can't talk about it, you know, because 
back in the zoo. <laughs> so we just gotta wait, you know, until 1985, and then, oh yeah, freeze those cats in the street on the streetcars and everything else. But I can hold off. I've got a little magazine article, 1985, coming out there in the Poppin' Mechanics. You'll see it in the April issue, and it's all there. <laughs> but um, I thought, there's, as there, you know, there is a lot of talk about flying saucers. And I want you to meet a man this evening that's actually seen some 300 flying saucers. And your name, sir? My name's Elwood P. Suggins, and I'm from Bellbrook, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And you've seen some 300 flying saucers, is that right, sir? Yes, that is very true. When did you see your last flying saucer? The last one I seen was here Sunday week. It was out in a wheat field. In a wheat field. Isn't that a little unusual? No, I'm, I think they must feed off wheat or something. I see. Can you describe the saucer to us? Oh, very easily. I've seen over 300 of them. It's about as big as this here room. And when it come down, it give off a real funny whirring sound. And the heat it give off was just intense. It was intense. Me and my kid was there and it was just, it was fierce. It's fierce. I see. And then what happened, Mr. Suggins? Well, when this here door opened up, and this little ladder come down, and this here teeny man come down this here ladder. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Mr. Suggins. When you say teeny, what do you mean by teeny? Well, like I say, he come down this here ladder and crossed over the road and reached up and milked my cow like this. I'd call that teeny, wouldn't you? Yes, I would, Mr. Suggins. Well, did he speak American? Did he speak English? Yes, he did. He had this here glass head on him, and there's a little armature inside, and he went Hello, I'm a Martian. I hope I speak your language. This is a recording. And then what happened, Mr. Suggins? Well, then I waited for the flip side. Take me to your leader. Take me to your leader. And did you take him to your leader? No, I didn't know who my leader was. I see. Did he do anything else? Yes, he did. Uh, every time my kid uh, come out of the house, well, he, he shrunk him. Shrunk him down about that size. And every time I let the dog out, why the dog would bury Buried him three times. I figure at least he could have done was shrink a dog so a kid had somebody to play with. I see. Was there anything else? Well, and he just... Uh, Oh, dissolved a couple of chickens around the house, I suppose, for kicks. And then he got on this here ladder again, opened that little door, sealed it, and he was... And then just after he left, there was something worked off on my body, a sort of radiation or something. And I commenced to shrink myself. It was just terrible. Well, Mr. Suggins, wait a minute, Mr. Suggins, Mr. Suggins, what's the matter? <laughs> We all see these westerns on television, and I thought I'd give you a little capsule report, without bugging you too much, on all westerns. They have John Payne, and they have Palatin, and uh, so many on down the line. I've seen so many, I don't know who they are anymore. They're all good-looking. I know that. And they all get the girls, and they don't have any round sidekicks anymore, you know. Come on, Gene, how about some more double mint? Uh, and then Gene reads it off. Yes, boys and girls, try it. It is wonderful for you, you know. But um, at any rate, the little scene is the West. They come to a little 
place for the evening where there's river, you know, a river and a little water. And a guy tests the water. The buffalo, a little far up ahead there. And um, <laughs> so they have the little Conestaga wagons all around there in a circle, and they have things marked on them that the adults put on, like engine go home, you know, sitting bull stand up, and Cochise on rye. They're bugging the Indians just a little bit. And then the minister opens and he says, Lord willing, friends. He's in love with his voice, it's obvious. He's going for an Oscar the whole route, only he's got just 16 lines. And he says, now friends, we've got to hang together now. We've come about 1,800 miles and we haven't spoke to one another. I don't think that's normal. Now we better start talking to one another or we're gonna be in trouble. You there, Brigham Young, come back with them eight women. You're getting greedy about that, Brigham. You're getting to be a fanatic. Now this ain't the place, I'll tell you when we get there. You'll see there are a lot of locusts and seagulls and everything. I know it. I was over there the other day. Then there's always a, a little old lady. It's about 97 years old, and she's cleaning out some tired beans in a skillet. And she says, I don't know what it is, Roy. Why we come out here? It's so dead blame cold and everything. The beetlers eat up here by bear Sunday week. It was just terrible. Don't stand there with your thumb in your ear. Rest something. Well, I don't know, honey. I you're sick, Roy, you're sick. Then there's always a little kid about that high, kicking prairie dogs in the back, you know, running around the fireplace. Ninu, nanu, nanu, That child, 16, and still talking like that. That's pathetic. Don't touch that groundhog, baby Elizabeth. You don't know where it's been. And they scurry down a hole, and there's a mad scene underground, you know. And later on, they accept the groundhog and dress him and everything. It's pretty sick, that, but... Suddenly on the far ridge are some 3,000 Sioux. They're all juiced up and ready to go. Oh, yeah, they're under pressure, you know, bug, because they haven't got a couple of carbines. And um, they've got these berries and been putting makeup on all day. And there's one cat there, you know, shoots an arrow. And, of course, it's got a rubber suction cup on the end of it. But he's, you know, a troublemaker. And they let him hang with the squaws. So the old lady's standing there, and she's got these binoculars made in Japan. And she looks up, and she's, oh, no, it's the savages again. <laughs> Lord, when brings we keep it? Ah! Nice looking boy, wasn't he? Oh, things is all over me. When they come up? Don't pull that one out. I don't want to see it. Who they are? Then suddenly through the far pass comes the Seventh Cavalry. Seven members of the U.S. Cavalry. Just happened to be riding along about three thousand miles from the fort. The major rides up onto a cliff. He's got a white horse and an officer. The rest of them got dirty horses and listed people. And he looks down and sees all these cats being burned up.